It's good to be back. We had uh, a good eight, eight days. Was it eight days? Eight days from start to finish, from travel to travel back. Uh, going to Texas, going to Oklahoma. Um, so we had a, a, a good time. It was fun to get away. It's always good to get away from uh, the norm and from, you know, life as it were. <laughs> it's always nice to get away and just be away from the busyness and everything and kind of break free. Boom. Boom, 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 boom. Is that booming? Is it just me? Am I hearing something? A little bit. Um, so the uh, it's nice because you can reflect on what's going on in your life and reflect on situation, you know, on different things. And it's also good to get away and just, you know, be away from all the work, family, and everything, and relax and have fun. So again, what relax? Ah, okay. I enjoyed it. But um, one of the things that was so was really cool, um, we had gone back to uh, Raymond Bible Church last Sunday morning, and um, it was neat to get back and just uh, sit in, at, at under Pastor Hagen receiving the word of, of God there. Um, what was really neat is this: it does not matter. It does, does not matter. If you're preaching the word of God and or if you're teaching your children, doesn't matter what it is. If you're giving the word of God and, and just sharing it with others, the cool thing is, is time changes, cultures change, people change, but the word of God is the same in the past, today, and continuing on. The word of God is the word of God. It's the foundation which we stand on from generation to generation to generation. Its principles are the same. God's promises are the same. What the word of God tells you and I is going to be the same all the time. Amen. His word does not change. So what's really cool is going back and hearing the word being preached. And it was things that that's been preached when I was there 20 years ago and, uh, you know, all through the, the years, you hear the, a, a similar word being preached and it still has power. It still has me. It doesn't, there's no like diminish uh, anointing in the word. The word of God is the word of God. It has power in it and anointing in it. And it was cool because we're hearing uh, the, a word being uh, ministered about uh, sowing and reaping. And it's so cool because God just gives you a different light every time that you hear the word of God. It doesn't matter the person. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. As long as you can bypass, you know, what somebody may sound like, illustrations that they're, they're using, uh, uh, you know, um, if you could hear the heart of God in the message and in the word, that's the most important thing. Amen. So it was cool to be, be uh, back at Raymond Bible Church to receive the word and have fun with family, friends, a wedding that we were at. We went to a game while we were out there, a football game. So it was, it was all fun. It was a blast. Um, but we really missed you guys when we were gone. And uh, so it's good to be back. I was chomping at the bit like four days, five days in, like, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back. But it was cool. It was, it was fun to, to be away. Um, 
praise God. Pastors had been uh, teaching and going through the, the book, which we're going to continue on, continuing on right now. Protecting your home from spiritual darkness is the, what the, the teaching has been based on. Um, the, the message of this is spiritual house cleaning. Amen. And uh, this would be part three. One of the cool things I just want to touch on and what I, I really enjoyed reading up to where uh, Pastor left off, um, we're going to take a look at, but before we do, Father God, I thank you for the word of God, that you, for, for your word that you've given to us, for the anointing that's on it. And Father, I thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you've placed on this man's heart to write this book. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're allowing us to be able to see the, in light and in a perspective to understand it the same way that Chuck Pierce has received it. So, Father, I thank you that we're receiving this word today, and I thank you that your word is bringing light into our hearts and into our homes and our situations, that, God, that you are wanting to totally envelop our homes, our households, our lives with your anointing, with your glory, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. If you if you have your books, I know Pastor was reading through it and and touching on uh, some highlights on here. Um, one of the things I would like to fall back to is on page number twelve. Page twelve. And this is uh, from the title, um, Understanding Spiritual Life. Amen. But chapter or page 12 on the very top, the life that Jesus has come to give us is translated from the Greek word Zoe, which means to be possessed of vitality, to have life active and vigorous, to be devoted to God, to be blessed, to be among the living, not lifeless or dead, to enjoy real life, true life, worthy of the name, to pass life on to others, to be fresh, strong, efficient, active, powerful, to be endless in the kingdom of God. Furthermore, Jesus tells us that he has come to give us this rich existence in abundance, which means excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, more than sufficient, superior, more remarkable, more excellent. Life means movement. Anytime the life of Jesus or the Holy Spirit quits moving within our lives, death begins its process. Amen to that. Death is the opposite of life. Therefore, we must be aware of anything that produces death within us. I like that those last few statements because sometimes we need a little shock and awe and hear reality, hear truth, right? Cuz we it's awesome to hear the good things, the, you know, you know, the word of God, the love of God and all this, but here's reality. Right here this little sentence. Anytime the life of Jesus or the Holy Spirit quits moving within our lives, death begins its process. 
there has to be a continual, continual life pouring in our hearts. Amen? Are you with me? Fall over here to page 13 if you have your books. How many ha- um, do not have a book? Everyone has a book in here? Amen. Okay, just want to make sure everybody's able to follow. Um, page 13 at the top, defining liberty and freedom. Part of the Zoe life that we as Christians en- enjoy includes liberty and freedom. Liberty is defined as freedom from control. I love this. Liberty is defined as freedom from control. Interference, obligation, free from restriction, freedom from external or foreign rule. Freedom now is defined as immunity. I love this. As immunity, exemption, and the power to enjoy all the privileges or special rights of citizenship. Jesus lived, died, and rose again to bring us freedom from the bondages of death, hell, and the grave. That is freedom from control, uh, interference, freedom from interference, freedom from obligation, freedom from restriction, of, or the rule of Satan. Additionally, Jesus' shed blood gives us freedom to come before God with immunity and exemption from sin and the power to enjoy all the privileges and special rights of heavenly citizenship. Amen. 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 I know that's a mouthful, but praise God, it's awesome. Amen. It's, that's so good. I love the, the way that this is articulated, and the, the truth is, is awesome. Let's flip now to page chapter 16. And we're looking at, there's eight steps here with cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Now, these are eight steps. Again, does this mean that there, this is set in stone, eight steps, eight steps only? No, this is the, the way that the Holy Spirit has given this to Chuck Pierce and to understand some principles to cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Yes. What did I say? Page six. Chapter six. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Page 16. I was just checking and make sure that you guys are on the same page. Uh, yeah. So, um, but cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You know, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, bottom line, is so important for uh, any Christian and Christian's lives. You know, w- what's really cool right before this is the um, the the how Chuck Pierce had mentioned this, the difference between uh, the Holy Spirit in, in Christians' lives and, and uh, the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When we all accept Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, number one important thing for every person, mankind, creation, God created man for relationship. Amen. So without having accepted Jesus Christ, now this, this is the error that we live in, that we're in, in the, 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 what God has created and ordained for us to have relationship. And it comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. It comes through Jesus Christ. His shibboleth. How do we have relationship with our heavenly father? Well, Jesus said that there's no man that could come to the father except through me. Right. And in this process, we have to accept Jesus Christ as Son of God, as our Lord, as Savior, and ask him into our heart. 
How does he just physically come into our heart? It's not our physical heart. It's our spiritual man, our spiritual heart uh, that, he, that he just comes and, 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 and dwells in that place. It has no physical uh, measure or size, mass or anything except for there's a spiritual end of that. But our, we are made as spirit in God's image. And Jesus comes into that place and fills that place, that spirit, our spirit man. How? By the Holy Spirit. That's the indwelling place of the Holy Ghost, right? So every person that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now, boom, the Holy Spirit's now indwelling in that person. Now, there's something greater that's attained that for every believer to come to that place of desiring for more, for more of the Holy Ghost. And that's the empowering of the Holy Ghost through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And in that place, that's where we receive so many wonderful, wonderful perks, if I could say it that way, of being a believer. And the promises of God. And that's through the power of the Holy Ghost. To be able to overcome the enemy. To be able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. Amen. Holy Spirit still indwelling. But what he wants us to do is operate now as heirs. As representatives of the kingdom. Now for us to step into that place. We need his power. Amen. We need his power to be able to fight against we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities, powers of, of the darkness, amen, and the things of the enemy. How can we do this? We need the help of the Holy Ghost, amen? So that comes through the empowering of the Holy Spirit to give us those necessary keys, tools, and things that we need to fight against the enemy and the scheme, his schemes, Amen? So here we are at this place. The way that the Holy Spirit has given it to Chuck Pierce is in these eight different steps or eight different uh, things that we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And number, six, number five, where pastor had left off, warring. Anything that God has ordained us to accomplish is going to be met with resistance from our enemy. Amen. Anything that God has ordained, I'm telling you now, there's going to be resistance. <clears throat> Pastors, hear me on uh, this. Is that I'll get into it briefly. We're always want, like fighting for things that are happening in our personal life family situations, uh, and we're fighting for our loved ones, friends, family, and we're always fighting for the ones that we're caring for, amen, that we care, we love, we're, we, we, we don't want to see hurt, harmed, have disease, have sickness, uh, be going through uh, you know, situations, whether it's you know, struggles with bills or struggles with other family members or loved ones. We care for people, and we are always wanting to battle for them. Amen. And there's a warring that we do on the inside and wanting to make things right for them. I'll give an example. I've shared this before. Um, I, Sarah was uh, four or five years old and she broke out with a rash. We're like, what in the world is this? Take her to the, the uh, pediatric place that we we're going to at the time. And so 
we see the pediatrician, they say uh, upper respiratory infection, this, that, and the other. And uh, it's a virus that will work its way through. Take her home a week later. It seems like everything. I'm sorry. This She's had a nose drainage, things like that, little fever. We go back a week later. She has the rash that breaks out head to toe. They're not sure what's going on. We go through the process. Many of you know. So we, here we are, and we're looking at our daughter, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. 102.1 degree fever uh, constant and spiking up to 103.9 or something like that at least a dozen times a day. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. Taking them from doctor to this doctor, that doctor, that doctor, that doctor. We're getting tired of running around doing all that stuff, going from place to place to place to place, trying to, you know, get answers. What is our purpose? Because we know that God has given us medicine. God has given us doctors and things of that nature so that we can get information, help, knowledge, uh, seek their help to be able to get us the things that we need, right? We're believing God. We're trusting God for her healing. And all this, you know, is in the, the motion but day after day after day after day, chasing around, and we, we finally said to the pediatrician, is there somewhere we could take our daughter that has everything in one place so we don't have to keep running around? Yes, you have to go to this place, but you have to be referred. Okay, how do we get that referral? You need to be within that medical system to be able to be referred. But I have a friend. So we get into a, a um, hospital facility specifically for children, and we're there and we're, through five-day process of testing and testing and testing. We finally um, are there and get an answer. Now, it's not the answer we want to hear. It's not an answer we like. But this is the diagnosis of, from the doctor, from people, of what's going on physically with our body. Okay, Man has knowledge and man has the ability to gain and put names on different things so we understand what's going on. So she was diagnosed with idiopathic juvenile arthritis. This is as at five years old. So we had all kinds of things that were popping up. Well, we think it may be this, Kawasaki disease, and we might think it's this, and we might think it's this. So we're going through these struggles of all these things that we – you know, had no idea what new, I think Kawasaki, I think dirt bike, but it's not. It's something to do with your, their heart and how inflammation builds up and different things. And so there's all these things that we're struggling through and how many, uh, you know, survival rate and all this stuff. We're fighting through all these thoughts and all these, you know, um, things that we're going through as parents for our firstborn, our loved one. And it can be tiring. And it can be, uh, you know, a struggle sometimes to stay in faith and to stay in that place of, of trusting God, that God has everything in his hands. And sometimes it's hard, but this is where we were as parents. This is where we were as uh, helping out in the ministry. This is where we were as people like you and like us. We're all the same. We have, we have emotions. We have uh, things that we struggle with through life. There's no difference between our senior pastors and you guys when it comes to when when it comes to humanity. We're the same. We're created the same in God's image, 
right? Spirit, thrown, flesh thrown on, now we got to deal with flesh stuff. So we here we have our daughter, and, and we get a, 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 an answer finally. The doctors decided that this is what it is. And so they wanted to put her on a certain medication and different things, and we're like, we, we didn't feel good about that. But the f- bottom line is this. In that process with everyone here, church and abroad, different places, we're all praying. Everybody was praying. But we came to a place where we were so sick and tired of the struggle, the fighting, the, uh, the, the runaround and all that stuff that we began to come to a place of desperation. And when you get desperate, when you get desperate, there's something that rises up on the inside. You have a choice to make. You either have a choice to just accept it and just just go along with the 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 the, the course of life, the course of an emotion of the uh, what's going to happen as a result, or you have a choice to be able to rise up on the inside and do something about it. Right? We can't do this in our own strength with our daughter. We need God. We need God's help. We need at that moment. We needed God to give us. The peace that we needed, we needed to get, have a resolve that he has control, that he's involved with the situation. We needed God to give us that, that, that strength that we needed at that moment personally for me, personally for my wife, and as a couple, that we needed strength and assurance knowing that God had everything in his hands. How did we get to that place? By staying in prayer. By staying in the word. So that God in his word and, and through prayer, through fellowship, relationship, he can give us that, that by his voice on the inside of us. We learn and know and grow in, in hearing his voice. But we heard that voice on the inside and that strengthening that he's got it. He's, it's in his hands. Amen. There was a warring that began to take place because it came to that place of seeing our daughter affected by a sickness, a common upper respiratory infection to go into a, um, uh, uh, the, um, no, the autoimmune disease. So we see this process unfolding and we're at a place now where we're struggling through all that, fighting through all that stuff. And bam, it gets to the place, you know what? We got to we got to war and fight against what's happening. Why? Because what's happening is, yes, there's physical things that are taking place, but there's something that's happening spiritually because what's going on is there's a fight and a battle for my daughter's life. Okay. And even though it might seem like a a runny nose at first and might seem like, you know, coughing at first, but there's a, a battle that's going on. We see sickness and we see a lot of times like coughing, sneezing. Okay, it's no big deal. It's a little virus. Yes, we understand that it's simple and it's all. But the enemy has brought sickness, has brought disease into this world, into our lives to what? Kill, steal, destroy. The plans, the purposes of God, our heavenly father for you and I. Amen. So, yes, there's physical things that are taking place. But we can't forget the spiritual aspect of what has taken place when Adam fell in sin and Eve fell in sin against God. And that's how sickness and disease entered into this world. Amen. Now, Jesus has overcome all that on the cross. 
So that's the beginning, the basis point on you, where you and I have to fall onto because he's accomplished something that no person has accomplished. And that's overcoming the power of the enemy. He overcame sin by not sinning. He overcame uh, the enemy by not sinning. In that place, when he was in that desert place where the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness... And the enemy attempted him and tempted him and tempted him and tempted him. Why? Because what he wanted Jesus to do is yield his authority and yield his, himself to the, the direction and the authority, the little bit of authority that the devil has. But Jesus did not do it. And through this process of him dying on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for all of mankind, perfect in what way? Was he a perfect-looking man? No, he was perfect in not sinning, not giving himself one ounce, one inch, one little bit over to the enemy and to the world. So he was able to live life blameless, perfect, and he died that way. Now, we know that he could not stay in the grave because he lived a perfect life. Amen? God raised him from the dead. And now, through this whole process, he give, gave us the authority as ones that would yield to Jesus, place themselves under his leadership, under his authority, to be able to overcome the enemy. Because if you're under authority of Jesus Christ, then you, he, you have authority to operate like Christ. There's a wonderful teaching that John Bevere did, and it, it was um, under authority. And it's, it's a wonderful teaching of this very subject. And I encourage you. It, it continues on to us and the authority, the ones that are over, uh, over us in authority, pastors, uh, business, um, your employers, and different things. But it affects everything. But I want to say this, is that we came to that place. We had to come under the authority of Jesus, of his word, and in fellowship with our Father to be able to overcome the thoughts, the struggles, the anxiety, everything that was trying to oppress us. And we had to come under his authority to be able to come against the enemy. There was a warring process that took place. What was God ordained Elena and I to be married, to have children. Amen. Why? So that there would be an offspring of, of little ones that would grow up and worship and, and honor our heavenly father. Amen. And the enemy doesn't like the fact that we are duplicating ones that would serve God, love God with all their heart, chase after him, fellowship with him. And we're increasing the kingdom of God, if I can put it this way. Doesn't like it. So there's adversity. There's things that we're being met with. And that we need to have war against the enemy. Simple uh, illustration of what we had to do in that time and in that place. Does it mean that because we got through it all, Sarah's not on medication, she's doing wonderful, doing fine, there's, uh, there's no indication that we can see or that she uh, communicates that she's having problems with pain or anything like that? 
Does that mean that the war ends? No. It means that there's a constant battle that we're going to constantly have. Maybe not necessarily in that situation, but maybe there are other things that pop up that we have to begin another battle against the enemy. Amen? And what is the whole purpose for? This is part of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. This is part of cooperating with him. We have to sometimes take a a step in this war, in this warring process that's above, we're going to continue and read on, but above those other steps which are important to cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And let's continue on here. Um, Dear Lord, I'm looking at another one. Sometimes, however, it's not as aggressive as it sounds. For example, each of these eight disciplines, I like that, not steps, but disciplines is a form of warfare because each of these thwarts the enemy's plans to steal God's best from us. And again, looking back here on page 15, one of the disciplines is meditating in the word of God. The enemy wants, this is this is one of the most uh, prevalent battlegrounds in every believer's life right here. Meditating on the word of God. Okay, I'll be my, the first one to raise a hand. How many have struggled with reading the, the word of God, the Bible? Okay, struggled with not necessarily understanding, but actually making the time to get into it. Come on. Anybody? Okay. This is one of the biggest struggles in Christianity. Meditating on the word of God. Why? How, how can that be? It's so easy to read, but why is it so difficult to read the word of God? Because the enemy is warring against your mind, against my mind, and why we shouldn't read. Or why other things are a little more important that we have to take care of. That's a war that constantly wages. So that we don't know, understand, have the reality, have the revelation of who God is and God's promises for you and I. Oh. And so that you and I don't actually understand that we have authority over the enemy. It's a constant war that we're always in. A battle that rages constantly. Praying, another discipline. It can thwart the, the attacks of the enemy. Again, we're talking about things that may not seem as aggressive but there is aggression in this. There is aggression in meditating in the word and meditate uh, in prayer. And it might not be the, like what we think of like the physical battleground, like where you see in the Patriot or you see in, in uh, Mel Gibson's other one, Braveheart. It might not be that, that bloody battle, but it's a simple way, a simple process, a simple discipline that does battle against the enemy. It thwarts his plans. It thwarts him attacking. Amen? Amen? Number three, fasting. Four, giving. 
And five, here we are, warring. And we are talking about warring. Warring in this, in this place of getting to that place of desperation, of, of uh, having something rise up on the inside, believing that you can do, make change, that you can do something about what's taking place, about what's happening in your life or somebody else's life. But I want to speak specifically to you about this. That was something personally that for somebody that we love and care for. But there's a place that you and I have to really take a, a, a step back and check out, check out in our own lives. Maybe we need to do some warring for our own self. Spiritually. Sometimes we get in that place that we're struggling we have these struggles with meditating on the word of God, praying, and all these simple things that could thwart the plans of, of the enemy. But are we, we really warring? Do we really see the attacks of the enemy in keeping us from stepping into the maturity of God? For allowing the character of God to increase on the inside of us. For allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit increasing on the inside of us. Are we really coming to that place of evaluating what's going on in my life so that I can work, get so sick and tired of the same thing, the attacks of the enemy, badgering my mind, keeping other things first place above God, keeping things first place above getting in the word of God, in prayer, in fellowship with him, in worship. Are we going to come to that place of being so sick and tired of all this stuff and come to desperation and just say, you know what, enough's enough. Begin to get in prayer. Begin to war against the enemy. Devil, you, have, you don't have any right to control my mind, my thoughts, my imagination like you were doing. To keep things out of perspective. To keep things out of priority. To keep God first. You have no more room in Jesus' name. We have to come to that place of desperation and war against them. But don't just pray about it. Do something about it. Make a step. Make change happen. Don't wait for change. You've got to make change happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would, if you would turn with me, we're going to take a look at a couple of scriptures here. James chapter 4, if you would turn here. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. If you have the Amplified, that's awesome. If not, uh, we'll have it on the screen. I know some like to follow right along with their, their own text, their own Bible in their hands. But if you absolutely need to, we're going to read it from, from here. Just one thing, you might see a couple words or a couple things that are just a little bit different because of uh, the time when the Amplified was, was uh, first came out to where it's, there's updates and things where they might ch- change some words or uh, things like that. So the vocabulary is more current with this culture and stuff like that. But here we are, James chapter four, verse six. I don't want to get into that, but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self 
righteousness. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him. And he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart. And he will come close to you. People, I'm telling you, we have to make war sometimes. And there's times we have to resist the devil. In that place with our daughter, and I, I'm using this as an example just to help to stay on the same page. In that place, we had to come to a place. We had to resist the devil. We all know what it's like to see a loved one suffering in pain. And, and we all know what it's like. We've seen it. We, we've, we, it. There was a different dynamic when it's a brother or sister, a, maybe even a mother, father. But when it's your child, there's a, just a different dynamic. That's, that's your own. That's like you have responsibility, authority over that, that, that individual. It's like, how dare this happen to my daughter? Or how can this happen to my child? And there was questions that were raised. Like, God, my wife and I, we came into marriage. We came into marriage as virgins. We, we lived our life at, to the best that we could. We're pure before you. Uh, uh, and here we are. We have our offspring. And, and how in the world is this happening to us, to our child, to our daughter? You know, there was things that were questioning in our minds. Like, how can this happen? This is not the way it's supposed to be. In the beautiful picture that we had made in our minds, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. But this is the reality. We wage war against the enemy. And he's going to fight and attack the areas that are dear to us. And when it comes to that place where, you know, where our loved one, our daughter, our offspring that came from us is to the point where, it, you know, some of the, some of the things that doctors are coming up, she don't have long to live. That's the reality. That's where we were. We had to come to a place to resist those thoughts, resist even that place of, of, of fighting for her life. Now, did it end up just being something that was, oh, now made so simple that we, you know, okay, oh, good. Okay, she can live with that. No, we still fight against the, the attack of the enemy. We don't have to settle for, oh, we can live with this. God doesn't want us to just live with this, with these simple maladies or these simple things that are going on in our body. Resist the devil. Resist the, the attack that's on the inside of you or your loved ones. Fight for them. Fight for yourself. Take a stand. That's the resist. Fight against the enemy, his plans, his attacks. Take a stand against him. Let's go to here to Ephesians in chapter 6. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
chapter 6, verse 10. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. So that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly, the supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness an upright heart and having strapped on your feet the the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news above all lift up the protective shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord. Amen. Resist them. There's the reality that we're fighting against an enemy. Amen. Our future is so wonderful because when we're all caught up to heaven, we don't have to fight the enemy no more. That's our future. That's what we have to look forward to. But here's the place that we are now. Fight the enemy. Resist him. Do everything that you can. Muster up every bit of strength within you to fight for your faith. To fight for what God has, wants to speak to you in his word. Fight for the faith of your loved ones. They may be lost. They may not have accepted Jesus Christ. But fight for their souls. Fight for their salvation. War for them. Prayer works. Prayer works. It's not just something that we just do and it helps our our mind and our soul. Okay, now we're at ease because we said a prayer. No, believe it with all of your heart. That what you spoke, what you believe for, that God heard your prayers and that he's answering you. Amen? War for your loved ones. War for yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ah, dear Lord. Let's go up here to uh, chapter or verse, chapter 17, page 17. Verse or number six, verse six, chapter 17, verse six. Worshiping. Worshiping. Worship is that place 
where we can enter into an intimacy with God. It is not just about singing songs, although music can be a catalyst for expressing deep worship to the Lord. Worship is a lifestyle of focusing, I love this, focusing our mind and heart on God and all he is. It is a response to all he has done for us. It is a fragrant flowering offshoot of our covenant relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to dive into to this too much right now. But I just want to simply say this. It's evident when worship, when we're here together corporately, and hearts are united in worship. Amen. It just you can you can just sense the presence of God higher, like greater. There's a, a stronger anointing when we're worshiping God with without holding back. Expressions might be different. Some may be able to jump. Some may be able to dance. Some may be able to run. Some may be able to clap or whatever, or lift their hands. Some might not have the strength to lift their hands all the way over their heads. Maybe your heart is wanting to do that, but physically you can't. But the, per, the whole point is when our hearts are in that place, just in awe, worshiping God, that's the place that we see just his presence just heighten, his anointing increase. And there's so much, there's so much power that is released in worship. Amen. <clears throat> Number seven, working. I love to spend as much time as I can each day in prayer. But there is more than prayer. There is a time to get up off your knees and do something. We can pray all day, but even eventually we have to realize that God will come to us and show us what he wants us to do. Many times we can speak to the mountain. And we see this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. But at other times, we must dig through it to get to the other side. I call that spiritual work. You know, um, what I'm seeing here is this, is, is that there is that time that we're in prayer. We're on our knees and we're just seeking God. And there's that time that we have to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Okay. We can pray and go through the doctor, you know, go through the doctors and go through all this stuff. And we can pray, 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 pray concerning my daughter and stuff like that. And the, the prayer of God, I thank you that she is safe and God, thank you that she's alive. And thank you, God, that you've blessed us with our daughter and that she is healthy. And, you know, your promises, we're praying, we're praying, but there's time to do something about it, right? We got to dig, we got to fight sometimes. That's the action. Now it's stepping up just outside of the prayer of petition, but now stepping into that place of doing something and that's activating faith in our heart in authority. Amen. Okay. Now that's in that simple place and, and, and spiritually speaking, working and activating our hearts, activating faith and, and putting it into process. Go with me here to, um, uh, <clears throat>
Go to James in chapter 2. James chapter 2. I want to look at something concerning working. That we have to uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our lives in the body of Christ. Verse 14, what is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Can that kind of faith save them? Okay. I've talked to certain people and certain individuals about uh, believing in Jesus Christ. And the response that I, I would get is, Yes, I, I believe in God. <clears throat> okay, how do you know that you, you uh, are a believer, uh, that you're born again, that you're a son of God, that you're born of him? Well, in my mind, I have these thoughts, and it, it, it's kind of like I prayed with my thoughts. How's that work? Okay, all right, God, you know the heart of the person. I can't question what you are doing with them. But what I see the word of God say is that you have to confess with your mouth. There's an action that has to take place of confessing with your mouth of what you actually believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? It's not just a mental sense, oh, I'm saved. You have to confess it. And this is what's awesome. We see in the old, in the old times, and when the church began, the ecclesia began, is that people were confessing before other people. There's confession. There's things that are broadcasted. Why? Because it, it's not just a quiet, you know, hidden place of, yeah, I believe. But there's something that's broadcasted, that's, that's spoken, a declaration made that I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm saying that because of this. Because what we're reading here is there's this, this, this place of, yeah, we, we can have faith. But we need to do something with what we believe. Okay, I might hear the truth about Jesus Christ. And I might be completely convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord. But there's action that needs to take place for me to accept him and now place him as leader, Lord of my life, right? And I have to confess with my mouth. There's a work that takes place. Now we're going to continue on and look at uh, further into this. And um, can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith, genuine faith produces good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to them, go in peace with my blessing, keep warm and feed yourselves. But he does not give them the necessities for their, for the body. What good does that do? So we could say, oh, you're freezing cold. Be warm. What good is that? There has to be action to help, to loving and caring for somebody. And not just a word spoken. It's so easy sometimes to say, 
I love you. Am I right? Where's the action? Amen? Verse 16, no one says to them, go in peace. Here we are, verse 17. So too, so also, faith, if it, is, if it does not have works to back it up, it by itself, it is by itself dead, inoperative and ineffective. <clears throat> I hear this and I think to myself, Lord, I claim to be a Christian. I claim to be a, a born-again believer. And I know that the lost need to come into the kingdom of God. I believe it. I believe your word works. But God, am I doing anything with what I've been taught? Am I doing anything with, with that personal, the, the word that I've put in my heart? Am I doing something with that? I read this and I simply think to myself, God, am I doing what it takes? Is my faith inoperable? Is it adequate? Or am I doing something about it? Am I taking the love that you have poured into my heart and doing something to help others, to share it with other people? That's the life of the church. It's taking what you've received and duplicating it into others, sharing it, helping them come into a place of convincing people of the love of God, of his promises, of how much he loves them and, and how much God wants for them. Amen? That's the life of the church, taking what you've received and giving it to others. <clears throat> but someone may say, you claim to have faith and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without works, if you can. And I will show you my faith by my works. That is by what I do. This is a place of where sometimes we need to put action. Action to our faith. This is what we're talking about, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Do we believe in the Holy Ghost? Do we believe in the, 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 the uh, operation of the Holy Ghost? Do we believe that the Holy Ghost can operate through us as a believer? Do we believe that there's the uh, gifts of the Holy Ghost for the church? Okay. I believe it. Am I doing anything with it? That doesn't mean that you have to come up here to the pulpit and give a tongue, give a prophecy. God wants more than that. Is that awesome when it happens? And if God gives it to you, yes, because it edifies everybody else. To help to strengthen, to lift up and encourage. But God wants us to step beyond that. Allow the gifts of the Holy Ghost to operate in your life when it comes to outside the walls. Maybe while it's leading somebody to Christ. Maybe while it's 
praying for somebody, whether they're born again or not. Allow the operation of the Holy Ghost to operate. Amen? We believe the word of God, and I'm using that as an example. But this is how we have to step out of just believing it in faith, because what good does it do? Nothing. Everything about God is this. Falling back to last Sunday, sowing and reaping. Everything about God is sowing, 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 sowing. Sowing, just like the farmer, sowing, sowing in season, sowing in season, sowing in season, and expecting God to return. Does that mean that we have to give money to receive money? He's talking about much more than just money. Sow into somebody's life so that fruit comes from the kingdom of God. Amen? God wants so much more than just money. The problem with this is that we all... We, we have to have our minds put in check because a lot of times we're so geared and guided by money and driven by money. But God wants so much more. He wants to sow in people's lives. God's more concerned about the heart of a person. Amen? And sometimes money's right there. Their heart is with the money. So God wants, he's looking for the giving and all that stuff when it comes to finances. But when it comes to that, God is wanting us to sow in people's lives. Amen? That's part of fellowshipping with him to get other people to understand fellowship through blessing them, through giving to them, caring for them. It's the same love that the Father has for you and for them. Sometimes it takes you and I to express love and care of the Father so that they can grasp that this person is genuine, that this person really does care for me, really does love me, really does uh, have a, a, a desire to understand me, a desire to know my needs. The fact that I need clothes, I need food, or I need just a person to listen to. And sometimes we need that to be able to understand that this is the reality that, hey, guess what? You see the relationship that we have. It's the same thing that the Father wants to have with you. He's just using me to show you that this is the example of who he is. Amen? So this is putting the work in the faith action. Amen. This is part of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Working. Number eight, resting. While God, God labored six days, he rested on the seventh. He commands us to do the same in the 10 commandments. See Exodus chapter 20, verse eight through 10. And you see the commandments here. It must be a big issue since it made the top 10. Amen. And here, here they have it in our, in our book, possessing your inheritance. We go into more detail on each of these eight principles for now. However, it is enough that we're aware of these principles and understand that as we follow them, we are allowing the Holy spirit to empower us with what we need to defeat the enemy within our homes. Amen. Amen. I just want to touch this on, the, on this 
this little note here. You know, I believe this with all my heart, is that God said to rest on that seventh day. It's not because of all the physical work that you're doing. It's personal opinion, okay? I'm just throwing this out there. Do we need rest because of physical uh, activity, physical work, and, you know, the demands of work? Yes. But I believe that this rest on the seventh day is because of all the spiritual work that is being taken place through the week. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes the perspective we have is, man, I worked 12 hours, 14 hours. I worked 16 hours. I worked 12 hours. I worked eight hours. I worked 10 hours and I'm tired. I'm going to rest because that's what the Bible tells me. I believe this is that if we're out there and we're doing the work of the kingdom of God, Day after day after day after day, and, and it can be pulling and, t- and tiresome. There's a rest that's needed for our spiritual climate and our spiritual man to be rejuvenated, to have rest, to be our spirit man to recuperate. Amen? A lot of times we use the physical work as the example or the, the need to take the day of rest. But it should be that spiritual work that's taking place. Prayer, worship, uh, the word, getting into the word of God, um, chasing after whatever God wants to be done for that day, to use you to reach somebody, to look for the lost, to teach, to visit people, to get in other brother and sisters, you know, lives and calling them and, and, you know, seeking how they are, how they're doing, praying with them, all those things that help to benefit and further the kingdom of God. There's a day of rest that we should take. You with me? Perspective. I'm just saying. Put things in perspective. We have Ten Commandments. These are spiritual laws. Ten Commandments for spiritual laws. But there's a spiritual work that has to take place. God's called you and I to be what? Bountiful. To be duplicators of his kingdom. Duplicators of his anointing. Amen. There's spiritual work where I believe the church in, in large as a whole needs to begin to step into more work. Spiritual work. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to stop here. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for, for speaking to us and speaking to our hearts this morning. And that Holy Spirit, you know where we are. You know uh, everything about us. You're all knowing. There's nothing that we can hide from you. There's no thought. There's no word that we can hide from each other that God, you know, everything that proceeds out of our mouth proceeds in our hearts. God, I ask you that through these teachings that you would help us to take hold of your word concerning this spiritual house cleaning that God, that we would clean up our lives and clean up our homes so that, God, that we can be purified. That, God, we can live our lives pure and holy before you. Lord God, help us. In Jesus' my name. Thank you, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for everything that you've done here today. In worship, in speaking to us, in your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you're causing us to grow and mature 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You're dismissed, amen. See you at prayer tomorrow night.